You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Exodus Unveiled, our third installment, Parshat Bo. And this week's Parsha is the final breaking of Paro and of Egypt. The uh, three last plagues will fall upon them and Pharaoh will succumb. And we will have the story of the Jewish people being prepared to leave Egypt. And uh, this is truly the out of Egypt story. And all of the uh, directives concern around the Seder, which they did in Egypt and which will be, they will be told that they will do in the future as well. So the Egyptians um, were broken by the plagues. And at the beginning, before we saw that over and over, Moshe was saying, in order for the Egyptians to know that I am God. And here now we will have a change because Moshe is going to say, in, in addition, so that you and your children and your children's children will see my signs and know that I am Hashem, know that I am God. So here we have a new element that the unfolding of the plagues, which we mentioned, took over 10 months, saw the crushing of the greatest empire in the ancient world, was not just for the Egyptians, but to teach the Jews a lesson as well. And the children and children's children is a hint at the Seder, which will be the foundation of Jewish life. So Moshe and Aaron go to Pharaoh. They tell him that a swarm of locusts is going to come upon the country if he doesn't send the Jews out. And this time, the servants of Pharaoh speak up, and they say to Pharaoh that we should send them out, or we will be destroyed. They try to talk some reason into Pharaoh. Of course, we're going to see it doesn't succeed, but Pharaoh is willing to listen. So he says to Moshe, well, who's going to go? And Moshe says, our children, our elders, our men, our women, everyone's going. And he says, Ra will be in front of you. Rashi says that there will be a, there's a planetary sign, which is a bad omen in front of you, uh, according to the Midrash, or that this will be bad for you if you do this. And uh, Paro refuses. And so Moshe raises his staff and uh, the wind comes all night, all day and all night, and the next morning, swarms of locusts like have never been seen before in Egypt. Now, there's an interesting discussion here because the wind brought them in, and when Moshe gets them to leave, the wind will bring them out. So was this a natural phenomenon? So the Torah is careful to say, specific to say, that we've never seen anything like this, and never will there be in the future. So there we see that even a seemingly natural, potentially natural event was a supernatural as one as well. And after the locusts come and devastate the country, eat any food that was left after the, uh, after the, um, uh, the snow and the, uh, that came and destroyed it uh, after the hail, uh, Pharaoh then says, as he did earlier, I have sinned against God, and he adds, and against you. And he asked Moshe for forgiveness and asked Moshe to plead to God to take him away. And the pl- plague is taken away. And of course, 
it says, and for the last three plagues, it will say, uh, Pharaoh hardened his, that Hashem hardened Pharaoh's heart, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them out. We talked last week about how the different understandings of this, um, either to not let Pharaoh do tshuva, because he was so evil, and he his intentions were only because to save his skin, or uh, God hardening his heart is because Pharaoh dug himself so deep, he no longer had free will. Uh, so those are some of the explanations. Number nine, darkness. It says that darkness was palpable. Is this like a fog? Um, Rashi explains, that it was darker than regular night. Once again, you might say, well, it's just stayed night for, 20, for seven days. No, it was a supernatural element. Um, and they couldn't see for three days, and then says they couldn't move. So the Midrash says three days they were blinded, they was complete dark, and for three days they were frozen. So that's the sixth day and the seventh day, Paro pleads. Um, and it says specifically as well that the Jews had light, remember, starting at the third plague. The plagues were not smiting the Jews. And then Pharaoh calls to Moshe. I guess he's calling because he can't move. And he tells them, you can go and your children, but you cannot take your flocks. And Moshe says, not only going to take our flocks, you're going to give us animals. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh says, I will no longer see you. And if I, you, you, if I do, you will die. And Moshe reiterates that. Uh, you will not see it. Of course, uh, Pharaoh is going to call him for after the plague of the firstborn. How do we understand that? We can talk about it. Some people say that you won't see it um, of my accord. But if Pharaoh calls Moshe, Moshe is going to respond. So the 10th plague, the plague of firstborn. And God tells Moshe, there's one more plague. Then you will be going out. And the Egyptians will give you their silver and gold, and you'll find favor in their eyes. In other words, not only are we forcing them out, they're going to turn, they're, they're going to change. They're going to uh, look favorably on you. And it says there as well, an incredible statement, Moshe was great in the eyes of Egypt and the eyes of Pharaoh's servants and the eyes of the people. So it seems at this point, it's only Pharaoh who is holding out driving home the point we made last week, that Pharaoh represents the Yetzirah, represents the lower voice, represents pure ego. He could not give in because of his ego. And, and then it says, um, and really what, what we see is that uh, everyone recognized that the God of Israel and his people were the ones who were the most powerful here. And like the evangelicals today, who want to do good for Israel because they know we're God's people. So too, the Egyptians seem to have a change of heart, and um, but not enough for Pharaoh. So uh, then Moshe tells the people, this final plague is going to come. Uh, the Egyptians will bow down to us and we will go out. But first, he's going to tell them that they have to do something. And this is the famous uh, section of uh, declaring the new month. He says, this is a new month for you. According to Rashi, it's the first mitzvah giving to the people 
in the Torah. And the rabbis understand from it that each month the high court declared the new month upon seeing the new moon. And then they're told what they need to do. Now, if you think about it, for 10 months, the Jewish people, God asked nothing of the Jewish people, right? All they had to do was sit back and watch Egypt be brought to his knees. And you'd think at this point, they're going to go free. God's going to say, take up your pitchforks, turn on the Egyptians. Uh, you're going to have to now stage a revolt. Judaism believes that we couple our belief in God with action, as we're going to see next week um, at, the, at the Red Sea. But it's interesting. What does Moshe tell the people to do? So God gives the mitzvah. He says, on the 10th of the month, you go take a lamb, bring it to your home, and then the 14th, you're going to slaughter it in the afternoon. You'll put the blood on your doorframe, and then you'll eat the meat roasted with matzah and more. So what is God asking them? So we need to understand what Nachmanides says, that according to the Egyptians, the lamb was a god. It was deified. We saw in Genesis, it was an abomination to eat meat, to eat lamb in front of the Egyptians. So the, these slave people was being told, take the God of your masters, bring it into your house for three, four days. And of course, you know, Mr. Egypt is going to walk by the Jewish home. Yossi, what are you doing with that lamb? Oh, I'm going to slaughter it in three days. And Shabbat HaGadol, the Shabbat before Passover commemorates the miracle that the Egyptians did not turn on the Jews, but the Jews had to stick their necks out. They had to take the chance. And then it says, take the blood and put it on your doorposts. Now, this is very interesting. It does say in order that I should see and be a sign for me, God said, and I will see it and pass over your houses. And that's where the word Pesach comes from, to pass over. But we have to ask, an obvious question, doesn't God know which are the Jewish houses and which are not? And like all mitzvot, it's not for God, it's for us. So the Jews were being told to take another step, to take the blood and splatter it, so to speak, in your face of the Egyptians, right? Not just slaughter the animal, not just eat it, but throw the blood on the door. And so the Jews were being forced to, in a sense, overcome their slave mentality. They were being forced to do a spiritual revolution. They were being forced into spiritual activism, which was asserting their belief in God and their trust that God would protect them. And it says, Leil Shimurim. It's a night of guarding. And so at the Seder, we open up the door for Eliyahu and we leave it open all night. Um, depends where you live, but even in Manhattan, we did. And uh, although we had a a guard downstairs, so uh, it was somewhat safe. But it's a night of guarding. And so they were promised that they would be protected. And But they had to take that action. They had to take a stand. They had to choose which side they were on. And there was no going back. And then the first of three times this is going to be reiterated. God tells Moshe, tell the people, this is going to be a holiday for all generations. And when you come into the land, 
Your children will ask you, what are you doing? And you'll tell them, you'll tell them the story. So it says as well that seven days you'll eat matzah. You will get rid of all leavening. The first and the last days are a holiday. You cannot do any creative activity except for cooking and the food you need during the holiday on those two days. Now, there's an interesting question. Is that on Passover, we get rid of all bread. What did they do in Egypt? It says they ate the matzah, they ate the Passover lamb with matzah and moror. So today we eat matzah, moror, and uh, we use uh, romaine, and then we put the haroset on it to give it a little taste. The Hillel sandwich, theirs was a true sandwich with a piece of matzah folded over and lamb, moror, matzah. So uh, in Egypt, though, the rabbis tell us there was no prohibition of leavening, no prohibition of eating bread yet at that point. What did they talk about that night? Not the story of the Passover, but I guess their expectation that they were going to be going. And with the self-conscious realization that this was going to be an event memorialized in Jewish history. And Moshe reiterates that you will guard it for the future when you come to the land. Okay, the night of the plague itself. So midnight hits, and it says there was no house that was not struck. And Pharaoh calls Moshe, says to them, go out and go and bless me too. Get a blessing for me from God. And it says, the Egyptians even pressed the Jews to leave, and he uses the same language as he uses to harden. V'yichazek, paralleling, God hardened their, they hardened their hearts, God hardened their hearts. Now they're hardening, they're pushing for the Jews to leave, measure for measure. And the people took their dough before it was risen, carrying it on their shoulders, on bundles, and if you move around dough, as you might know, uh, it doesn't leaven, right? A cake, you move it around, the whole thing collapses. And it says then a few lines later, and once they had left, they baked the dough, the matzot, because it did not rise, because they were driven out and they couldn't wait, and they had not pre- prepared provisions. Now, there's a number of questions on this. First of all, um, what we see from here is what is the main symbolism of matzah? The main symbol of matzah is the bread of freedom. I ah, we begin the Seder with this is the bread of affliction. Later on in the Torah, it will call lechem oni, the bread either of poverty or of uh, speaking, answering many questions. But here it's the bread of the quickness of leaving. And that's what we have in the Seder. We have to eat, we eat, uh, the matzah, but actually Maimonides' version of the Haggadah starts with, this is, we left Egypt quickly, and this is the bread of affliction. So it mentions both symbolism. And when right before eating the matzah, we point and say, this is the matzah, we say that didn't have time to rise. So the matzah is not just about remembering slavery. It's also about remembering how quickly God saved us and the trust that at any time God can save us in a moment's eye. So why didn't they have provisions? Also very strange that they had to bake this on the run. 
They had to grab what they had. So was it a lack of trust? God had promised them they were going to leave the next day. Ah, so here's the point. They thought, we'll leave the next day. What did they do in ancient societies? They didn't have preservatives or plastic bags. They baked their bread every morning. So they would knead it at night, and the bread would rise, and they'd bake it at dawn when they woke up. But here by dawn, they were being, from midnight to dawn, they were making preparations, running around, and then they were pushed out. So they grabbed the dough, which was rising. They didn't have provisions because they thought they had another half day or so, or at least mid-morning, to get everything together. And it says they also took the soul, the silver and gold of the Egyptians, vishalum, which in Hebrew might mean they borrowed. And all of the commentaries ask this, that they borrowed it. Doesn't that mean they have to return it? Some say that as they're about to ask, the Egyptians gave it to them before they even borrowed it. Some say that vishalum could mean to, 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 to ask for, not to borrow. Interestingly, um, the Egyptians actually brought up in the UN that the Jews should pay uh, reparations for all of the silver and gold they took when they left Egypt. And of course, the answer them to, them to them was, well, then you pay reparations for all the years of servitude. So that silenced that discussion. They left Egypt, it said, 600,000 men and their families, of course. They went from Ramses to Sukkot. And it says 430 years they were in Egypt. And we're not going to go through the whole chronology, but the rabbis tell us they were actually slaves in Egypt for 210 years. They were slaves 80, 90 years. They were in Egypt 210 years. They were, um, from when Abraham was told, you will be, Slaves in a land that is not yours was 400 years, and 430 years was, um, sorry, 400 years was from the birth of Isaac. He was told your, your, you and your, your descendants will be slaves in a land that isn't theirs. And 430 years was from the covenant when God made the promise to Abraham. So they go then at the end of the Parsha, uh, it goes to the laws of Passover again, adding some elements that to eat the Passover lamb, you have to be circumcised, that uh, there's a law to sanctify the firstborn because the Egyptian firstborn were killed. All Jewish firstborn uh, were going to become what are today the Kohanim. And today we have a ceremony called redeeming the firstborn. If there's a firstborn son that is the first birth of the mother, uh, without any miscarriages, then we do a ceremony where after 30 days we call the Kohen and the son is, uh, so to speak, redeemed, brought, bought back, and the Kohanim become the servants. But the idea is that because God took the Egyptian firstborn, we dedicate our firstborn. So because it's a showing gratitude to God that the final plague set us free. And um, again, reiterating to remember this day and the mitzvah of remembering the going out of Egypt, it says, tell your children, tell them the story that's on Passover. But every day there's a mitzvah of remembering the Exodus, which we do in the last paragraph of the Shema. It says they went out in the month of Aviv, which is the spring. And that's why we have every uh, two and a half, approximately out of five years, 
three out of five years, sorry, two out of five years, we have a leap month. So that Passover should always remain in the spring because the lunar calendar is shorter than the solar. So every year Passover gets earlier. This year it's end of March. And then the following year is going to be bumped back to mid-April. So that based on this, that it says it has to be in the spring. The Muslims, Ramadan, they do not do this. And so Ramadan goes through the whole yearly schedule, each year being a week or a week and a half earlier. And finally, the Parsha ends saying that this event, you make it a sign on your hand and a mark between your eyes. And that is the mitzvah of tefillin. Once again, that this event is to be remembered for posterity for the Jewish future. And uh, when we get to the Ten Commandments, we'll talk about why that's so central. It's uh, to remember God took us out of Egypt. That's how God introduces himself, not I'm God who created the world, because the Exodus really cements the belief that God is running the world. It was a testimony in front of the entire Jewish people. And that's the the biggest message that we should take out of the whole Exodus story. Shabbat Shalom and have a good evening. Thank you.